listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. Before we get started, make sure that you're subscribed to us from wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you could, leave us a rating and some feedback because uh, it really does help us out a lot. This is episode 103 of Range Minded, where we talk about new shooters getting into the firearms world, like buying your first firearm, the importance of the four rules of firearm safety, plus training, and a whole lot more. If you're an experienced shooter, this episode may be a little redundant for you, but we do cover what you can do to help bring new shooters into the sport. And if you are an experienced shooter, we ask that you share this episode with somebody new who is trying to get into the shooting sports. As always, thanks for listening to Range Minded, and we hope you enjoy episode 103, The New Gun Owner's Guide. Hello and welcome to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. My name is Mark Long, and I am joined as always by... Steve Zimmerman, the one and only. The one and only. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and yourself? Doing well. Uh, handling quarantine as well as I can. I think we're, what, week three? I think we're supposed to be done on Wednesday, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it needs to stop, is what it needs to do. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> I can't think, handle it any longer. I don't think it's going to happen. What do you think? I doubt it, too. I, I wish it would be over, though. We probably got another, what, week or two, I would say? Maybe end of end of uh, April. I don't know. It. I, I think that's what they actually said was the end of April. Yeah, but it really needs to be done. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting a little old. I'd like to go out and see some people and do something, but uh, you know, it's for the greater good, right? Uh, yeah, I suppose it still makes me nervous about what we're giving up. You know, it seems like uh, seems like there's a little bit of tyranny involved, but maybe that's just me. Well. The thing is, I, I read this somewhere, and we won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but we just have to remember that this is not the new normal. And if anybody tries to make it the new normal, then we say that it's not. Yeah. So It better not be. Well, I got know, things to do. You know, it's interesting because if we have, you know, this many more new firearms owners coming into the fray as a result of this uh, coronavirus stuff, then we may be able to actually, you know, have some people who are on our side. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, you hear those, you hear those reports where uh, all these people that voted for gun control and then go to buy a gun because they're scared realize that all the things they thought were happening aren't happening. Yeah, and they're actually like, mad that they can't get a gun shipped to their house online. Yeah, can you believe that? Man, Gosh, we, we could only this, be this so lucky. This isn't 1955 anymore. Oh, man. How great would that be? That would not, have been awesome. Not necessarily the 1955 part, but like mail-order guns. That would have been awesome. Especially I don't if, know. Maybe even the, fi- the 50s might have been awesome anyways. But yeah, just being able to look on a catalog and say, yeah, I want that one. Yeah. and uh, s- s- Send in your money and it gets shipped right to your house. Yeah, I'll take a Thompson. I'll take a full-auto M14. Um, heard this new thing called an Uzi from uh, Israel. I'll take one of those. Full-auto, no big deal. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been great. Oh man, you could have bought an. You probably could even buy like an MG forty two or uh, or something if you really wanted to. Maybe I don't know how they would have uh, felt about a German gun coming across in the fifties. But that's true. That's maybe true. maybe. Um, but anyway, that's uh, not the MG forty two part, but the the new firearm owners. That's what we're talking about here on this episode. Um, you know what we can do. Uh, well, actually, let me back up a minute. What uh, if you are a new firearms owner? Um, you know, the best way to, to get familiarized with uh, the firearms world and, and the firearm that you may or may not have purchased yet. Um, and what we as um, 
old time gun owners, I guess you could call us, um, can do to help bring more, more seasoned, more seasoned gun owners. We, what we can do to bring people in and, um, you know, help them, you know, on their journey of firearms and be good stewards of the second amendment that, uh, we preach over and over again here at, uh, at range minded. And I think that that second point is, is the most important and, and, uh, really should be a part of our lives all the time as gun owners. Sure. But especially right now where there's been such an influx of gun, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how, how many gun sales there was in, in March. And, um, I mean, three, 400% increase in firearm sales is what we're basically seeing, which is huge. I got, that's a lot of guns coming into the market and um, a pretty fair percentage of those are are inexperienced or not experienced shooters at all. Um, and that's where it's important for us to come in as, as friends to these folks and, and get them the right kind of training or at least led to the right place to, to keep them safe and, and the next generation of, of gun lovers. Right, because I think that this, you know, this is kind of a pivotal time um, for the gun world because of all, like you said, these new shooters. It's going to be kind of a, a make it or break it thing where, you know, that there's going to be a lot of new people coming in and they're going to, you know, think about it. The, the first couple months or maybe that first year of being a new gun owner, I think, is pivotal in, uh, in your decision of whether or not you want to continue to be a firearms enthusiast or not, you know? Right. And whether or not you surround right. yourself with the right people or get the right training or, you know, really be, I think really the big thing is becoming comfortable with, um, with firearms in that first year, year and a half, um, you know, is really what, what we need to focus on and help people to do. Um, you know, right. because we've talked about it before, you know, guns themselves aren't necessarily good or bad or otherwise they're tools. And, you know, it, it's the intent behind that. And if you can, you know, if you can teach somebody that, a gun by itself sitting on a table, you know, is not good, bad, or the otherwise. It just is what it is. Um, I think we can we can bring a lot more people, you know, to the forefront of, of being, you know, lawful, proud gun owners. Absolutely. And I think, I know for some of the, some of our listeners, maybe this stuff is just seems a little redundant or maybe below their skill level or whatever you want to want to think of it. But we really have to understand, and hopefully there are some brand new gun gun owners listening. And if you know somebody that is just getting into guns, uh, go ahead and refer them to the podcast. Cause hopefully I think we have some pretty good information in the past and, and more in the future for, uh, for all level of shooters. Hopefully I would hopefully. say, I mean, well, you know, the saying, uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. That's right. We've got a hundred and some odd episodes. I think we're, we've got to be in the same boat as the broken clock, right? At least by now. I think, think so and and i don't say that we have all the answers i know i don't have all the answers i'm not um you know a super experienced tactical guy that's done stuff all over the world um but i i have some pretty good experience in the gun community and and if i can't get the answers i definitely have friends that are seasoned trainers and and, uh, and coaches out there that that do know the answer to some of those hard questions. Right. And that's, that's one of the things I think we pride ourselves on is being able to at least point you in the right direction or get, get somebody who is an expert onto the podcast to help along with that. But, um, you know, you and I, I think have been around training and, and RSOing and educating a little bit enough to have at least a little bit of a, of an introductory, uh, you know, authority maybe. Sure. We're, we're, yeah. And that's one thing actually we should point out. We are not experts 
um, haven't been around the world or anything like that doing special things or whatever. Um, we're just two guys who, you know, have been in the gun world for a while. Yeah, that's right. I, I may not know everything, but I know enough to at least get you in trouble. <laughs> um, well, the first thing that I thought of that, um, you know, since we, we may have a new shooter too is, um, and you know, we might have some older folks, um, more, more seasoned folks rolling their eyes, but, I thought that going over the four rules of firearm safety would be a good thing to do. That's funny because that's the exact same thing I was thinking too. Wow, great minds so, think alike. Or at least something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So the very, very first thing you need to understand is, well, it's gonna, it might be kind of confusing for some of these new gun owners because there are a lot of different gun safety rules out there. Yeah. But there's, there's four that are the, the most general and they, they go across every firearms platform um, and they're just common sense. And as long as we're obeying these four, then we should never have any issues. Um, and the very, very first one is um, no matter what, we're, we're always going to treat any gun and every gun as if they are loaded. Even yep. if we think they're not, no matter what, we have to treat every gun as if it's loaded. Even if you know and it's I would loaded. go a little... I would go one step further, even um, training tools, uh, you know, like a, a blue gun or, or something like that, a plastic gun. Uh, we should create those good habits of, of treating everything as if it's loaded. Yeah, it's just the, it's the right thing to do. Um, and it's always if you if you use that rule, um, no matter what kind of firearm, um, whether it's a blue gun or a practice gun or whatever, if you use that rule, no matter what, it's going to be second nature. And you're never yeah. going to violate that rule. Yeah. And it, it I noticed with, with inexperienced or, um, and new shooters, that rule is, is one of the hardest ones to really grasp. Um, yeah. Because they're picking it up. They're, they're doing silly things with it. Um, and I hear a ton of times, even behind the sales counter, well, it's not loaded. I don't care if it's <laughs> not loaded. It's the habit that we're teaching. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. No. Yeah. I think that, I think honestly that it comes from the novelty um, of firearms because, you know, one of the first things that, you know, especially with new shooters is guns are, are scary or interesting or fascinating or exciting. I mean, they go boom and um, you know, that can be something that, you know, is exciting to some people. And so it's easy to say, Oh, it's not loaded or this, that, and the other or whatever. And um, you know, but that's, You've got to you've got to think about that, and I think as the novelty wears off, you kind of yeah. realize the power that's that's in your hands. Um, so the, yeah. the I think the quicker that you can appreciate that, um, you know, the the better or the faster that you're going to be able to appreciate that rule and and stick by it. Agreed. Um, and I will say an, a, one quick note about um, about all these rules is that um, you know that if you break one of these rules. Um, you may be okay. If you break two, you may be okay. But if you're getting into three, you know, there's, there's, you're going to have a, a bad yeah, day. There's going to be, there's going to be some pretty serious repercussions and, and some that could turn out very sad. Yeah. It's a, it's usually any kind of what we call negligent discharges or, uh, or tragedies, um, are usually the result of breaking multiple rules at once. Um, correct. But if you, if you, if you know these four, you know, inside and out and practice them all the time. Um, you'll be in a good spot. So with that, let's uh, maybe we move to the second one. Yep. Okay. The second rule 
um, is because we're, uh, we're treating every gun as if it's loaded. The second rule is, is we're never, ever, ever going to point a firearm of any kind at anything that we're not willing to destroy. Yep. Um, yeah. Now think about that in, in, in your home or at the gun store or at the range. Um, you really need to make the comfort, the conscious effort of knowing where that muzzle is at all times. Um, and like I say, if you're at home, you got to think about if do you have a kid in the, the room next door, or a loved one in the, in the next room over, are you pointing that gun at something regardless of if you think it's loaded or not, are you pointing that something that you're, that you're not willing to destroy or lose. The best way to think about it or to visualize it is just pretend that there's a, a laser coming straight out of that barrel. And no matter what you pointed at, it's going to cut it in half. Yeah. That's, okay, a, that's so exactly just, what I was going to say is look at it. It's like a, it's like a lightsaber almost that, you know, it points out to yeah. like a half a mile. Exactly. And that's why if you're, there are, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're in a class and, and you're with one of the, I think one of the ways that you can tell, um, that you're with a competent instructor, which which we'll get to in a little bit, um, is that if if they handle a firearm safely, um, where you know you you notice that they take the extra minute to either you know when they're moving the muzzle of a gun from left to right or from right to left, they're not sweeping the class, they're not sweeping the wall behind them, they're actually maybe going up you know towards the ceiling or down below them and moving it over that way, which you'll you'll notice when they're doing it safely. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, that's just, that's one thing too, is that, um, you know, not only, I think a lot of people forget is that you don't want to point at anything. You don't want to destroy. That also includes yourself. Um, you know, you think about, <laughs> Normally. People, well, and I, that made me think because talking about, you know, moving it down, you know, you could sweep your own feet or sweep your leg or something like that. Um, and that's something you definitely, definitely want to avoid. Right. Yeah. There's, there's stories and videos and stuff riddled. Um, with people pointing the guns at themselves and shooting themselves in the leg or the foot. I know of a, a, a couple of trained professionals that have shot their TVs or maybe even a computer screen while they're on duty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. It's, so uh, you always want to be conscious of where you're pointing that firearm, even, and, and that's why maybe you've been to a range once or twice. And that's where they say, you know, where you have your range bag, when you open up your range bag and you bring that firearm out of the bag or the case or whatever, make sure it's pointed in a safe direction. That's, that goes along the same, the same lines of don't point that firearm at anything you do not wish to destroy. And, and it is important to know, I'm glad you brought that up about the ranges. Because like independence, for example, we keep it in the bag until we're inside of the booth and then that gun stays pointed downrange at all times. Right. Some ranges may be different. Down might be the safest direction and they're letting people walk back and forth from the the firing line to the ready area, which actually makes me incredibly nervous. Yeah. But it's their rules, not mine. I, I know how I treat my firearms and, and uh, I just choose not to shoot at those places. Um, so – be mindful of those range rules, but it's okay to be more strict than what the range requires. If right. that makes any sense. Yeah. Think about it as, as the range may set the minimum rules and that might be more or less than the four rules of firearm safety. But, um, that doesn't mean that you can't hold yourself accountable to the highest, you know, highest degree of safety and stringency when it comes to these rules. So, um, absolutely. So we've covered the first two of the Thor, uh, first, the first two rules, excuse me. <laughs> and, um, the third rule, uh, I'll, I'll take it if you don't mind. 
Go for it. Um, it could, because I've seen this time and time and time again, um, and it's and it's an innocent mistake, uh, but it can have some dire consequences. Is that you want to keep your finger off of the trigger um, until you have in your sights what you're ready to shoot, or until you're ready to fire. Um, you Absolutely. Know, because and that's that's why you might see. Um, and I will say a lot of movies and TV shows do justice with this. I know we've done a couple episodes where we talk about, um, you know, movie myths and all that kind of stuff. But most, like, uh, I watched a, a comedy the other night. It was called The Other Guys. It's with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, which is a, a stupid yeah. buddy cop comedy, right? But I actually noticed. When was your last death spot? <laughs> it was like an hour ago before we started. <laughs> no big nice. deal. Um, no, they, yeah. I, I was actually impressed with the amount of trigger discipline in that movie because everybody kept the their finger off the trigger until they were ready to shoot. Yeah. So they had a they had a good uh, consultant or a firearms consultant or whatever they uh, the Hollywood so, equivalent is. So one of my Facebook friends that I'd love to meet him in person, but he actually he friended me, which I thought was kind of cool. Is a gentleman named Larry Zanoff. Okay. Which maybe if you've seen Hollywood Weapons. You'll know him. He's the guy at IIS or ISS. ISS. They, okay. they do a lot of Hollywood. They're the ones that supply almost all the firearms and safety for the big movies. Sure. And uh, and and he is very diligent when it comes to safety. That's He is extremely safety-minded. Yeah, and that's important because especially if you have that many people on set or whatever, that goes back to, to rule number two is that um, you don't know, you know, or keep that you know, those firearms pointed away from something you don't wish to destroy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, Absolutely. that's, that's the thing is when, uh, you might hear people talking about indexing your trigger finger. Um, you know, and, and the biggest thing that I, I always see with, with people is that, you know, they, they come up from low ready and they're ready to shoot and they have their finger on the trigger and they're so excited that they had their shot and they bring it back down and their finger is still on the trigger. And it's like, yeah. nope, 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 nope. Get your finger off the trigger until you're literally ready to shoot, especially as a beginner. When you're taking a beginner class or something like that, you know, I would say, you know, keep your finger indexed on the side of the gun, bring it up to low ready. And then when you have your sights aligned, then you put your finger on the trigger, hit it, and then let, you know, then let it go, re-index it, and then bring it back down. It sounds kind of silly and elementary, but if you're, you know, as, as a new gun owner and as a... Uh, um, you know, somebody who's brand new to firearms, that's, that can never get you in trouble. I'll put it that way. Well, and I've honestly seen a lot of experienced shooters do the exact same thing. If I'm officiating out on the range, um, I see that a lot with, with people that have a lot of experience with firearms. I don't know it, what it is, something psychological. They have to make sure the trigger didn't disappear or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on, Yeah, but th there's a lot of, I can't say the word. I'm not going to say the, the phrase, but there's a lot of times when people, they'll, they'll place the finger there inside the trigger yard just to make sure that the trigger's still there. I promise <laughs> it's still there. Um, and and you're right. You When you're not using that gun, when you haven't made the decision to fire, it needs to be along the side of the gun. Just rest it along the side of the frame. It's Nothing's going to happen to it. Just, just get that ingrained into your mind. And that is probably one of the most important rules in the, in the general four rules is keeping that finger off of the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that also kind of leads to number four. Um, and if you can't tell all these rules are interrelated, um, but why don't you close us out with uh, rule number four? Yeah. Uh, you're going to know what your target is. Once you've made that decision to fire, you need to know what your target is, what you're shooting at, 
what's in front of your target or between you and your target and what's beyond. Um, this happens a lot. Like when you're out in the desert, just shooting with friends or out in the woods or whatever, a lot of times, and I've been guilty of it too, before I really got into, into, you know, gun safety and stuff that I, I don't pay attention where those bullets are going to terminate, like where they're going to stop a 22 caliber bullet can travel a mile. Yeah. If it's, if it's unimpeded by anything else. So you need to, you need to shoot somewhere that's responsible. That's going to capture that projectile, but you really need to know where that's going to end up no matter what. Um, there's an example here in Idaho falls up on the East side of Idaho falls and some little Hills. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a rural area, but there's, you know, new subdivisions coming into there. Uh, these kids were out shooting. This guy was getting ready to go to work and he hears a funny noise. Didn't think anything about it. Um, when he came out, somebody had shot through the wall unintentionally through the wall of their house uh, into the mantelpiece where he was on the other side of the wall. Wow. Luckily the, the, the mantelpiece stopped the projectile and it was just a 22, but it, that could have ended in a something extremely tragic and honestly unintentional. Um, but it would have been a, a loss of life. And then obviously there probably would have been some kind of a, a hearing where the person would have gone to jail for even negligent homicide or something. Yeah, criminal where, negligence know, or two, something. Two like families that. Are, are impacted. Yeah. And that's why it's so, important to know, especially like out, you know, you talked about out in the desert or something like that, where, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize, well, it's out in the middle of nowhere and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, that a projectile can travel that far that fast. And if you have somebody maybe, yeah. you know, the next berm over or something like that and you shoot a high one or something, or, you know, you can, you can be in a world of trouble real fast. Well, uh, you think about it, a rifle cartridge and it's something bigger than a, a 22 it travels at like 2,500 feet per second. That can go a long ways in a second. Yeah. You know, that's 20, a half a mile, half a mile in and, one second. And so <laughs> my eyes are not that good to see everything that's out there a half a mile. Um, and, and when you get beyond that, like I say, a 22 can go a mile. Think about a 30 out six or, you know, some large caliber hunting round. Right. We're talking miles. Yeah. Um, well, and obviously gravity is going to take an effect on it, but still you got to think about it. Well, and the other thing too, is that, you know, if you're maybe, maybe you're shooting at a steel target or something that, I mean, heaven forbid, maybe you shouldn't be shooting at or whatever. You have to worry about ricochet. I mean, something, you know, you mm -hmm. could be shooting at something and it could bounce that projectile or part of that projectile back at you and hit you in the head. We, I mean, I haven't seen it in person, but I've definitely heard about it. Well, I've seen it in person. Um, I've experienced it in person too. Um, I took a 45 to the leg, a 45 Colt or uh, 45 auto. It didn't penetrate my leg, uh, luckily, <laughs> but I was shooting at a, a piece of metal and it came flying back and hit me right in the thigh. And I thought for sure I had a bullet wound because it hurt so damn bad. I was say, it probably didn't feel um, good, did it? Uh, and I was by myself out in the middle of the desert oh, shooting wow. at some metal. Um, stupid, stupid. So, like I said, part of that number four rule was know your target and what is beyond. So, right. uh, don't just be shooting at whatever you want. You got to think about it. And, yeah. and sometimes some of that knowledge has to come from experience. But well, I know take it from my experience, not your own. We're past the uh, the holiday season by a few months, but you know the movie A Christmas Story. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye You'll out. Shoot your eye out. And actually, if you if you watch the movie, you see the scene where he sets up a paper target on a metal advertisement and he's shooting a BB gun. I mean, that's air powered, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, I wouldn't want to get shot by one, but still it's not a lot. And 
It ricochets, hits him in the eye, and breaks his glasses. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and 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 in reality, that's that's a fairly happy ending. He didn't go blind. He broke his expensive glasses. Sure, but yeah, he didn't lose his eye. Um, I, I think I've I think I've shared this before, and this is why when we've talked about the rule number one, when we're we're treating every gun as if it's loaded and as if it's a gun. I had a friend that accidentally killed his brother. Yeah, with a pellet gun, and so. We may not think they're dangerous. Um, in fact, when we were kids, we did a lot of stupid things with BB guns. Right. Uh, but but they are considered firearms, and and just just don't <laughs> you never think it could happen just to somebody else. You got to really think about when weigh things out and just obey those rules to the to the T. Well, it's like what you said about you know treating even not like quote unquote non firearms like blue guns and all that kind of stuff, which you know, BB guns are the same thing, no matter what kind of mm-hmm. firearm practice or otherwise, or, um, you know, bullets, BBs or whatever or not, you need to, you need to treat those with respect and, you know, not point them at anything you don't wish to destroy and, and absorb, uh, observe those four rules of firearms, no matter what. Right. Um, now, so now oh, go ahead. I was, was going to say now, if as a new shooter and you're going out with your, your, your friends and you're shooting and you see them being left safe, don't be embarrassed. Be the good example and, and call them on the carpet because I see a lot of experienced shooters that, uh, that will relax on some of these rules. It's not, it's not worth it. You be the example to them and say, Hey, don't point that gun at me or whatever. Like, don't be scared to call them out. Yeah. And I would even say it would make it, it makes you look more experienced if you know and adhere to those rules because you have more respect for, for the power and, um, you know, the danger of what you're dealing with. Um, right. And, you know, I've always been hyper conscious of friends and people that I go shooting with um, to the fact where I'm probably annoying. Um, but I would rather be annoying than have a tragedy happen, you know? Right. Well, that was one of the reasons I got involved in the shooting sports was um, was to teach kids, you know, get into the scouting program before it went ridiculous. And, <laughs> and, uh, and to teach these kids and to be an example for them. So I, I want them to be safe, but I also want them to have a good time so they can, you know, keep the, keep the second amendment going. So the rules are there for a reason. And, and obviously life is, is the most important reason, but it's, it's also just to keep anything from happening. Yeah. So uh, those are the four uh, rules of firearms. I'm sure we've hammered it enough into your head now at this point, but uh, <laughs> that's because they're important and you can never, um, never overstate and repeat the basics too many times. Um, you know, because we've talked about it before where, you know, even people who have been shooting for years, get it, get complacent and don't think about it. And, uh, bad things can happen. Yeah. And, and I, I have seen a lot of that and it's really, it's sad and super annoying. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely, um, you know, you want to think about the four rules of firearm safety all the time, whether, um, you know, you're handling your firearm and cleaning it or, um, at the gun shop or actually at the range or whatever. Um, you know, you want to make sure those are top of mind all the time. Agreed. 100%. Um, but, um, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say now, so we're, we're past the, the dark and dreary, boring stuff. Um, so what, what are we going to say? Are we going to say that maybe, are we going to think that 
these people have already purchased again or they're looking to buy their first gun. Which avenue do you want to go? Well, so one of the things that I actually was watching a couple of the YouTube videos today, and I have to, um, two episodes ago, we talked about some of our favorite YouTube uh, gun channels, and I was actually watching a Paul Harrell video. Um, <laughs> I was watching the same thing. He's great. He That's talks, funny. He has a video on pandemic buying. We'll, we'll link it on the Facebook page if we can remember to do it, but... Um, one I the, love that guy. Like you, you took, you brought me onto him and, and I love that guy. He's great, he's awesome. isn't he? And he's a little a, dry and boring, but I think that's why I like him. I know, he, but he's a neighbor. Uh, he, he lives in Oregon, um, like central Oregon. And, uh, he, he's just, he's been around the block a bunch of times, won a few shooting competitions. Um, great, great guy. Um, but he talks about people who are gun owners who don't, think that they're gun owners where it's like they've inherited an old revolver or an old single shot shotgun or an old 22 rifle or something and like they that. They don't even know what it is. Right. So one of the things that I was going to say is that, you know, if you like are like a non gun owner, but have a gun, like the first thing I would do before spending any money is like, look at all those firearms you have, maybe that you inherited or that are in your attic or your basement or something like that. Um, and you may not even have to shell out any money to, to have a defensive weapon. Um, but the one thing I'll say is you want to get it checked out and you want to know how it works. Yes. Because there's nothing um, wrong with an old, like, revolver from the 60s or, like, even, like, you know, a 1950s single-shot shotgun or twenty two uh, rifle or something. But you have to know that it's, it's, it's going to operate safely um, and that you can depend on it. And the only way you can really do that is by bringing it to a gunsmith or uh, a professional to function check it, especially if you kind of don't know what you're doing, you know? Well, and, and the reason why, like some things visually from the from the surface, they can look just fine. Like he, he has an example of a, I think it was a Smith & Wesson Model 15 that yeah. somebody wanted him to look at. And he says everything was fine, but once he racked that hammer back, the cylinder didn't lock up. Right, and that's a big deal because if it fires at a battery, that gun could blow up. Like I say, from the surface, it, it might look good. The other thing that makes me think about that is is some of these old shotguns that uh, that they mull around every once in a while, and they look cool, and they're a twelve gauge, and they were built, you know, in turn of the century, yeah, early nineteen hundreds. Um, but don't shoot them. There's a couple different reasons. Modern ammunition is totally different than, than the old stuff. Totally different. Um, the, the powders are different. There's, uh, some of them are a little hotter loads now than they used to be. The other problem is, is those barrels can deteriorate even just sitting in a closet to where there's rust and pitting and the walls of the, either the, the, the cylinder or the, or sorry, the chamber or the barrel itself have, have thinned out so much where they could actually, blow up under those pressures and so it may look good on the outside and 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 be awesome but just err on the side of caution yeah if you you have an old gun take it to somebody to look at you don't want to find out that it's uh that it's not working well um or it's going to blow up when you go test fire it you can take it to um a gunsmith and for you know a nominal fee you can uh you know you can learn whether or not that thing is safe to use or not um you know, most competent gunsmiths we've had, we've had quite a few on, I would say, um, in our yeah. episodes before is that they'll be able to tell you and they'll usually tell you straight up whether or not something is safe to safe to use or not. But, um, you know, that way then you, you have a firearm to use for self-defense. Um, 
you know, but you have to make sure it's safe. And the other thing I was going to bring up is that you have to know how to use it. Um, you know, you know, mm -hmm. a single shot shotgun or a revolver are about as simple as they get. Um, you know, but what, it, you know, what if you have, you want to learn how to reload that revolver properly? Um, you know, right. you, if you don't know the difference between a double action or a single action, you know, trigger pull, um, you know, that's of utmost importance, I would say in, in learning how to shoot a revolver. Um, you know, you need to know how that functions and you need to be familiar with it and comfortable with it. Yeah, I agree. The other, the other thing is too, and I, I guess I kind of touched on it before was the ammunition difference for some of these old guns. Yeah. hundred I mean, percent. It could even say, it could even say, um, 38 cold or, or, or 32 Smith and Wesson or whatever, those old cartridges or 25 auto, even there, that's pretty gentle load, but some of those old cartridges are not the same as the new ones. They may still make that cartridge, but the advancement in metallurgy and engineering is totally different now than it was back then. Um, and it may not be worth even shooting that gun at all. Yeah. Uh, it may not be safe it, to. It's no, just it, it, and, and I know it just sounds like, hey, he just wants to sell a gun. No, not necessarily. Um, I want something that's going to be something you can function, that you can handle, but also something that's going to be safe for you to use. Yeah, and safety is really the big thing. Um, because like you said, you don't want to find out that a gun's going to blow up if it's right in your hands and it's the moment of truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. that. <laughs> Luckily, I've never had that in, anything like that happen to me. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm pretty I mean, safe. The, the closest, but I've 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 seen Jeff have guns blow up in his hands before. Really? And uh, yeah, he's been a pretty lucky guy. That guy needs to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> um, the closest that I think that that's ever happened to me was the first time I ever built an AR, and you know I I had had it checked out a little bit, but I didn't. You know, I just put it all together. I'm like, okay, well, everything seems to fit, and it cycles fine, and blah blah blah, and all that. And well, let's go take it to the range. And, you know, I shot it for the first time. Like, okay, I guess this works. <laughs> yeah, it could be bad. It could be bad. And that was not my wisest, uh, proudest moment. I'll tell you that, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's, well, you're still walking. That's good. Yeah. Um, but there's also, um, you know, with, with, in regards to that, and, and after I talk about this, we'll get to buying an, a new gun or something, but, um, you know, if you already have like an older firearm or something like that, and you don't want to shell out the money for a new one, um, there's no shame in getting a, a training, one-on-one -on -one training, f you know, on how that new firearm works. You can pay somebody, you know, a, a pretty reasonable fee to spend an hour with you to show you how it works, how to reload it, how to shoot it, um, and how to be competent with that, whether that's, you know, a, something like I said, a single shot firearm or a revolver or even an old, uh, you know, an old auto loader or something, um, you know, there, people are more than happy to, to show you how that stuff works um, and, and train you on it. Yeah. And I think you bring up, uh, well, at least in my mind, you brought up something that is important because you're right. There's going to be a point where we can actually get back out and train and have classes. Yeah. Um, which makes me think, too, there's going to be a lot of people that, that may not have the experience or the ability or the know how to teach those classes. Um, so we'll get to that point later on. Just be careful who you choose to, to, to teach you about firearm safety. Go to somebody that has a little bit of background. Um, that's an established instructor or something like that, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later, but don't just go to this guy because he teaches it out of his house and he's $50 cheaper than, <laughs> you know, somebody else. It, well, there's a reason why he's cheaper. So let's bring it up now. What do you think is the mark of a good, 
um, of a good instructor or, or a bad instructor for that matter? So normally, like if I'm looking for instructors, I, I look for testimonials and, and sure some of those can be fabricated, but I also look to see how long they've been established here. So, um, for example, like if you come to come to independence, you talk to anybody, any of our instructors at the store that they haven't just, we've been open for three years, but they haven't started teaching three years ago. They right. have an established pedigree. Like I know Leroy doesn't teach a lot at the store anymore, but he was teaching for years and years and years before that at another, an, another Academy. Um, he's got tons of real life experience. So I could see his pedigree and his ability to train. Um, there's uh, even if you jump online, you can look at some of these guys that have, have taught for so long and you can see that, that they're established. And normally if there's a bad experience, people are going to say they had a bad experience with that instructor. So like if you go to Google reviews on somebody, oh, sure. I guarantee you'll find some negative marks and, and everybody's going to have some negative marks. But if, but if their approval rating is like 2.5 or something, maybe that's, Maybe that's not somewhere you want to spend your money. <laughs> exactly. I'd say that would be perfect. That's another way. Um, also, you know, if you, you usually can find videos of some people, um, especially now. I mean, you can't really go train and, and get a one-on-one right now necessarily. Um, but somebody who claims that they know everything and that theirs is the end, their knowledge and experience, is the end all be all of everything. Um, that's somebody mm-hmm. you probably want to stray away from because, the firearms world is so personal and there's so many different correct ways to do things um, that somebody that says that is probably not going to be somebody who's going to be working with you in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those guys, the attitude, they, they stumble over their attitude or, or their practical shooting experience where everything's about them. And honestly, sometimes I've noticed even when I'm teaching a class, sometimes I, well, this is why we did what, and it doesn't matter. It shouldn't be about the instructor. It's not the instructor learning more, even though I learn things every time I teach. Right. It's about conveying conveying the knowledge and experience in a way that clicks to the shooter and helps them develop. That's the that's the key. So ask around. Like the other way you can do it is is go to your gun shops. Go, you know, visit ranges and talk to other people and ask them about where they took their classes or or whatever. And people will talk and they'll share. Um, and that might be another good way to find, uh, to find a good competent instructor. Yeah. I mean, and you know, some of the times too, that there might be instructors, you know, not at classes that are working at the range that day or whatever, and you might be able to meet them and, and talk to them and get a vibe from them that way as well. Yeah. So that's always a definitely yeah, I know. a good way to look and check it I know. out. I, I really need to get my button gear and get my curriculum written because I, I really want to come out of this epidemic with or pandemic um, with a good solid class where I can start sharing with other people. I, it, it needs to happen. Yeah. You know, we got to get stuff going, but you know, I can talk about it till I'm blue in the face. And it won't change unless I do it. Right. You got to do it. So, so find, find somebody that is, is comfortable teaching, has the ability to teach, um, and has the knowledge to back it up. Now, ladies, it might be a little bit more difficult I know guys were super, were jerks sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes the language of of certain instructors is a little bit more harsh than what it needs to be. There are some fantastic women instructors that will do ladies only classes, or you know, or or some male instructors that are just really good at teaching, um, no matter what. That that do ladies only classes, right? To where uh, 
you know, they're not going to judge or belittle or whatever. Ladies are, are naturally better shooters anyways. They are way easier to teach than guys, way yeah. easier. Um, and none of them show off. That's what's so great about teaching a ladies-only class. Right. Yeah, and usually, you know, I've found that, that, that women ask more questions. They're more, you know, thorough with things. Um, you know, so, and, and there are a and lot of want to learn. Yeah. And actually this would probably be a really good time to plug the independent woman here. If you're in Idaho or in the treasure Valley, um, the independent woman is, is a group of all female shooters. Um, and they cover all mm-hmm. kinds of things, um, you know, that, that pertain to the female shooter in a, in a good environment. So make sure you check them out. Yeah. It's a great group. Um, Jessica and Sarah, we've had them on before. You can jump back and listen to some of their, you know, some of the episodes we had them on. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, well, let's, uh, let's skip, let's go to the fun part because, um, you know, we, we've talked enough about safety and, and make sure, you know, you're finding the right people to train with and all that kind of stuff. But let's talk about somebody who maybe has never bought a firearm before, never thought about buying a firearm before, and they are interested in getting a firearm of, of some kind, whether that's a shotgun or a, a rifle or a handgun. Um, for the first time. And I, I, I know that you have had enough, uh, firearm store experience, um, sure. to where you've run into somebody like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And these are of talking to people that, uh, I don't, they're not so much nervous, but they're, they're just making this leap that they never thought they would make, or, or, you know, maybe there's some things in their background and their, in, in their history that they feel like they need to get a gun. And obviously, you know, you need to be sensitive about that too, but, um, I just love the, the brand new unexperienced shooters. Um, and I always start with a couple questions. If, you know, if you're going into a gun store and somebody's just selling you a gun to sell you a gun, leave <laughs> <laughs> because it's not about them selling a gun. Um, for me, I want to know what the purpose is. And that's what something you really need to, to come armed. I guess, pardon the, the phrase there <laughs> armed to when you to go, buy your first goods. You need to decide because that does make a difference, at least in my mind. Um, are you going to c- carry it or is it going to just stay in your home? Uh, what, what kind of shooting experience, if they've ever had any in their lives, at, at, at what level? Because then that might determine even the caliber size. Uh, and let's, you know, later on, I'll talk to about or, or holsters or something like that. But really knowing what they intend to use that, that gun for um, is the biggest question that, that I try to get answers for. Um, Cause that really determines if, if it's going to be something to keep in the house, but then I'll sell them a gun that may be a little bit larger frame. That's easier to handle. Yeah. Less, less recoil to deal with um, it, because a gun that I'm going to leave for home defense is not a gun that necessarily that I may try to carry every day. Um, yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, and it's something that every shooter, every new gun owner or future gun owner needs to decide is what, what they're going to do with it. 99% of the time, if it's a brand new shooter, they're not comfortable with carrying. And no. so that makes it easier for me to sell uh, uh, or, or steer them towards a full frame nine millimeter or even in the, maybe like an easy or something that's easy to deal with, easy to shoot, easy to function. And then I'll even go as far as showing a few different frames, a few different, sorry, not frames, but um, brands. 
and I'll, I'll break the guns apart. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, certain safety functions. And that's another question I asked, you know, I'll talk to him about is what level of safety do they want on their firearm? Cause obviously a, a Glock, even though it's, I think it's a safe firearm doesn't have an external safety. So that might be a deal breaker for them. They might want something that has an external safety. Yeah. And that- so anyway, I'll go through all those different and, and show them, let them handle the gun. And then we go from there. I think that you bring up a, a, a great point and that you said at the very beginning is that you ask questions as, as the seller of the firearm, you're asking questions, asking, what are you going to use this for? What's your comfort level? Have you ever had experience with firearms before? If you go into a gun store and somebody doesn't ask you questions about what you are intending to use that firearm for, or just in general, and they just say, okay, well, you need this. Here you go. That might be your cue to walk away. And and just like if you ever tried to buy yeah. a car at a, at a dealership or something like that, where you know they're pushy and all that kind of stuff and they say oh you well you need this or whatever don't hesitate to walk away i've seen it happen like i've seen dealers like hard sell a gun to somebody who just because they're tired of having that gun it might be a, a, a stale stock item they just want to get rid of and they'll find a way to hard sell it on the customer sure. just to get it out of their store yeah. and to me that's super dishonest like that is not fair as a as a gun dealer to do to people um because what you're selling them it might be not that the LCP is a terrible gun, but it's a terrible gun and it's <laughs> awful to shoot. And if it's just, if you sold it to a gal just because it's pink and you talked her into it, then you should be ashamed of yourself a little bit. Sure. Um, that's, that's the wrong way to sell a gun. We're trying to generate new two way advocates, not just something at them that they're going to hate and, and put in their drawer and never use again. Right. And if, you know, if you are drive, drives me crazy. And that's the thing is if you, if you're uncomfortable with the gun, let's say you, you, somebody sells you a gun and you take it to the range once and you have a bad experience with it, you are going to stick it in a drawer and you're never going to touch it again. And you're never going to want to shoot again. And you're going to have a bad taste of what owning a firearm is like. Yeah. Because you just got lied to by somebody that you trusted in the beginning. The whole reason why these new gun or future gun owners are going to these stores is they got referred to them or that's just a local shop and you trusted that gun salesman and, and he just betrayed your trust. And, and maybe like you said, changed your, your whole dynamic of shooting and you never want to do it again. Yeah. And that's, that that's, actually, that to me, that's, that's sad and disappointing. It is. it is. And that's, and that leads me to the next point is that, um, you know, a lot of gun stores now, it, it, and I, and maybe you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at least when I started getting into guns, you couldn't rent guns as much as you can now. Rental guns are a huge thing now, at mm-hmm. least in Idaho. Um, you know, you can try out guns that, that people have in the rental counter before you buy. So you can, you know, you can usually pay, a, you know, you know, I'm not going to say a price, but you can pay, you know, fee A to shoot one gun and then fee B, which is like, maybe five or 10 bucks more to shoot as many different guns as you want. Um, you know, and you can try out different guns in your hands, take actually bring them to the range, you know, and, and see how they shoot. Um, it's just like test driving a car. I mean, you know, everything's going to be different and, and that's going to help you make, I think a much more informed decision. Um, nowadays is being able to rent guns. Don't, don't be afraid to, to, to go try that, you know, especially with somebody maybe who, who's a little more experienced with firearms who can, who can help you with the safety rules and everything. Right. And, and I know that, you know, fee A and fee B, they, they might seem steep. Like anytime you go to an indoor range now, the, the fees seem like they're just outrageous and ridiculous. <laughs> and some of them may be, um, but it's still cheaper than buying a gun, 
that you're never going to shoot and you just put away and forget about. It's, it's worth investing in some time and, and just don't go to Starbucks for a couple of weeks, save up some money. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and, and do it because you're going to get at least a nibble of some kind of firearms education because you're going to hopefully find somebody there at the range that, that can be in there with you and, and show you the ropes a little bit. Right. And you're going to understand that, Hey, this gun I thought was going to be super awesome is absolutely terrible. Yeah. I don't want a little tiny gun because they are so hard to handle. And you'll be able and, to uh, find that out firsthand as soon it, as you shoot it's it. It's worth investing in the education. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, the LCP, I know I bag on it. It's a great gun to carry. Um, and manufacturing on their side is actually getting a little better, but the, because they're so small, like this is, I usually say, Hey, just go back to high school physics. Like if something's small, it's not going to absorb energy like something large will. So a small frame gun that fits the side of your hand, like it's the side of your hand. Um, when you're trying to hang on to it, no matter what the caliber, it can be really difficult. Whereas if you go to something larger, that's going to absorb a lot of that energy because it has bigger screen, the springs, larger mass, it's going to be easier and more comfortable to shoot. Um, and, and I, I still see a lot of people, they don't like, it's, that's a new philosophy to them. And that's where going to the range and actually feeling it makes the difference. So that actually leads me to another point too, is that, you know, we talk about rentals and, and firearms and all that kind of stuff. Um, picking your first one, it seems we always default to the handgun. Would you ever suggest, um, you know, a rifle or a shotgun to somebody as their first firearm? Well, and that, that kind of comes down to the questions that I'm at. Like if it's a home defense gun and, and, you know, it might be like a 410, uh, a shotgun might be the option or a 20 gauge shotgun might be the option. Um, not so much a 410. I mean, really 20 gauge would be a better option. <laughs> um, so that's, that's where questions come in and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible even a, a 22, like a little rifle, if something that can handle is better than something that you can't, because if you can't handle the gun in any sort of situation, you're not going to use it. But, but yeah, I've, I've suggested rifles and shotguns before. Absolutely. Yeah. It really just does come down to what you want to use it for. I think, you know, in terms of a handgun, I think has the most versatility and I'll say that in terms of, you know, being able to train more with it, um, in terms of carrying, if you want to go down that road, um, transportability, um, concealability, um, you know, staging it or, or hiding it or, you know, storing it somewhere in your home is a lot more convenient um, there's a lot more versatility when it comes to handguns and other kind of stuff. Yep. So yeah, uh, that's, that's why I said, c come armed with some, like some, what your purpose is when you go to the store. Cause hopefully that salesman is going to be asking you those questions like that. Yeah. And that leads me to, to one of my last points really was um, talking about safe storage is um, you know, let's say you've, you've got your firearm that you want. You, you were able to pay for it. Um, you've got it and you're taking it home. Where are you going to put it? And, and that depends on your situation as well, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's something a lot of people overlook. I know I overlooked that as a firearms owner in the beginning is same is safe storage. Same. Because I always thought, well, it's out of sight, out of mind, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and maybe we should feel guilty about that, but it's just because we didn't think about it. Right. It's the more you come educated, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. Um, 
it's always good to think about some kind of storage. And that's the next series of questions when it comes to safe storage is, are there kids in the home or grandkids? Um, do you have neighbors that, that come over a lot? Um, do you live in a higher crime area? That kind of thing. And each one of those answers might change the level of security that you need for that firearm. A lockbox might be sufficient. Or if you live by yourself, you have no family that ever comes around or whatever, the drawer might be the safest option for you. Um, if you have multiple guns, like I know a lot of us do, um, <laughs> the safe, a good gun safe is really the only answer um, for me. But I do have multiple lockable storage containers that I can stage around my house if I need to. Right. Um, it, it just really de- depends. Like I have young kids and I have their friends that come over a lot and I'm not home all the time. So I don't know though. I can lock my bedroom door. I know what it was like to be a child and find ways to get into my parents' room and to snoop around. Yeah. To get around so, it. It, it, it. And kids are smart. Like, Think about when you were a kid. I guarantee you always found a way to sneak in the places you weren't supposed to go inside your house. I guarantee it. Yeah, and see stuff you you weren't supposed to or whatever. Um, And you really do have to balance, you know, the accessibility versus the uh, security of it. Um, And that really does come down, I think, to the amount of firearms you own and what kind of firearms you own. And, um, you know, you bring up a good point, too, about, about training your kids and educating your kids on firearms. Um, and you know, I think as a gun owner and if you, if you're a gun owner and you have kids, um, you have to, to accept that responsibility of being able to, you know, educate your children about firearms, you know, and I I think you'd agree about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that honestly, a lot of gun owners, like multiple gun owners, whatever you want to call it, the seasoned gun buyers, a lot of them haven't accepted that risk that, yeah, buying this gun brings brings a level of danger into my home. Now, I I can either train my kids out of how to safely handle firearms and and know not to touch them and lock them up in my safe, or I can just make a gamble and throw them up there on the top shelf and hope that they don't find them and get curious about them, and who knows what happens. Yeah, and that's that's really your responsibility. You know what I mean? It's just be, and I think that goes back to, to having having the right to own a firearm, you know, doesn't mean you don't have the responsibility as well, you know? It's a huge responsibility, and that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of gun owners, current gun owners, they they turn a blind eye to that part. They get so far to the, well, it's my constitutional right, and I'll carry it. I'll, you can have it over my cold dead, cold, dead hands. But they don't accept the responsible part of it because – that's the less glamorous and, and noisy part about it. And yeah. they think they're doing such a good service to their home when they, they don't. Well, and I, you know, so, it's funny because I feel like at least in my experience, being a responsible gun owner is way, way easier and way less stressful than trying to be somebody who's, who's trying to prove a point, you know? Yeah. But, I, and you're right, but I still think there's, there's a segment of people that, that, that are falling short on the training side inside the home or or teaching responsibility to their children or family members or whatever. I agree. I was just Um, saying that there's an incentive. And hopefully that's a diminishing, hopefully that's a diminishing number. I could be wrong, but yeah, I think that it's important. I think there's an incentive to be, to be a responsible gun owner, you know, a huge incentive where you can go to sleep at night knowing that your kids 
aren't going to be able to access firearms or people that shouldn't be accessing them can't access them you know how to use them properly um you know you have the training to to use and and operate a firearm efficient efficiently and know when and when not to use it you know and i just thought of something while we were talking about this like i'm, I'm just imagining uh, a husband or wife bringing a, a firearm into the home first time i think it's important that if if you are married that that's something that you communicate with your spouse with. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's easy for me to say like, I'll, I'll go to the store and I'll come back with a gun that I found in the used counter <laughs> and my wife gets pissed at me, but then it goes away. But for some families, like that could be a deal breaker bringing a gun into the home. Yeah. Um. So if you're thinking about it, guys or gals or whatever, like if you're thinking about bringing a gun into your home, and and you do have a significant other whether you're married or whatever like that's none of my business how how that relationship is communicate with that with your with your significant other and and let them know why like have a good conversation about it um when you buy a gun not all gun stores are going to have a return policy yeah that's when, a good point when you when you buy a gun we just talked about you're accepting a lot of responsibility with that purchase on the safety side and responsible, you know, being a responsible gun owner. So weigh that in mind, have that conversation as adults. I, I don't necessarily think I'd bring my kids into it. If, if there's children in the home um, until after that's there, then you can find some good instruction as a family, but it's a big deal and it could be a deal breaker for your relationship. Um, don't just roll the dice and, and hope it works out. Cause I know there's a lot of families out there and I've talked to him where the dad and the son's really into it, but the wife is like anti-gun. And, and that's just a dichotomy that that I can't unpack because I don't have that relationship with my my wife, but you may. So think about it. Yeah, it's definitely something that you have to to discuss and make sure that everybody is okay with because, you know, it could make for a more stressful home and um you know, you may push even even your significant other. You may push them farther away from the Second Amendment, and um, to where you're, they're not going to agree with you. And then if you do something where you don't communicate it well, they're going to disagree with you even more. I've been I've been married long enough to know happy wife, happy life. So yeah, there's also that, which is which is something to keep in <laughs> mind. So um, well, do you have any- uh, and and that kind of took I know that took a weird turn. Like you didn't expect me to to like take anything down that avenue, uh, but but I think it's worth man. Yeah, well, I am. I am actually pleasantly surprised. Why? Just because I buy so many guns? <laughs> yeah, and you, I mean, there's also the the don't tell my wife, but that's yeah, okay. But don't tell my wife that I, I said. That I've been there too, where it's like, oh yeah, but where did this gun uh, on, come from? I've I've had it for a while. In, in all reality, like my wife usually finds out, and and uh, sometimes it's a little bit longer than other times. But really, I don't think there's any. Pretty sure there's no guns in my safe that she doesn't know about. Well, but Pretty let me sure. let me Maybe counter they're... with this. Would you say if I went to go ask your wife if you were a responsible gun owner, what do you think she would say? I hope she would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> she might even say that some stuff I get a little overboard on because I, I am kind of like a safety Nazi. Like, sure. I, I do kind of worry about that stuff a lot. That's well, important, though. That's what's, that's what's going to keep you safe. So um, do you have anything else you want to add or should we close it out? Um, I think let, let's just jump real quick. I know we're getting close to the end of our, our show, but 
if you are a gun owner and you're trying to get other people involved, yes, um, no, that's a great point. Just uh, let's let's just be be mindful as gun owners that some some other these or some of these new gun owners are not as passionate as we are about about shooting or the Second Amendment. So we got to be kind of sensitive about their views on that. Um, a lot of them do do not share the same political views as majority of gun owners do. Um, but that shouldn't that shouldn't create a chasm between the relationship. Uh, invite these people to the range, take them shooting, spend some time teaching them the safety rules. We talk about being a good steward of the second amendment. Yeah. And part of that is just taking them out and being their friend, like go shooting with them, spend some time with them and let them experience what we know and understand of, of the fun part of owning a firearm. Yeah. I don't talk about, I would I would avoid talking about concealed carry unless they ask those questions. Let let those new shooters ask the questions. Don't just start feeding this information to them and overwhelming them, and maybe just turning that switch completely off. Yeah, the big thing I would I would say is patience. That's really what you want to you want to have um, when you're going. You know, when you're you're going to take new shooters shooting, um, or um, somebody approaches you to ask about firearms is have patience, answer their questions. Um, you know, make yeah. sure you're in kind of a listening mode because, um, yeah, you know, think about Absolutely. it. If you, if you wanted to get into something new and it, you know, let's say it was, I don't even know. I can't think of a good example because there's nothing better than shooting, but, um, <laughs> you know, if you were to get into a new hobby and somebody just said, Oh, well, this is what you need to do. And you need to do it like this and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's going to turn you off to it. You're not going to want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'd say with this, with the second amendment, it's even more, important to be patient because you know we're dealing with rights here you know yeah yeah don't don't overwhelm them if if they ask to go shooting with you just just take two or three guns don't take a bunch of different stuff to show off that's not <laughs> what they want they don't want they don't want us to show off to them they want to learn mm-hmm. and so you just just start with a maybe a 22 handgun or a rifle and just work your way up two or three guns per visit that's it don't don't go crazy yeah, There's take, no need to take your time and patience. And I, I think if you do it right, um, you're going to, you're going to find that they're going to, they're going to come back wanting more every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we've experienced that uh, with, with your aunt and with, with Daniel, like yeah. we've experienced it. Yeah. And I think we're past due of having a new shooter come on and, and talk about shooting and their experiences and all that. So maybe we can do that again after all this blows over. What do you think? I think that'd be fantastic. We still need to go spend some time at BSU and hopefully not get kicked off campus. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, uh, they might have to wait till the fall because they're, uh, they're out of school for the rest of the year now, unfortunately. So they're, they're out, out. Yeah, That's they're done. Terrible. So, um, well, Hey, if you, uh, if you have any other uh, suggestions or anything, any feedback, let us know, uh, email us podcast at iishooting.com or you can find us on Facebook at range minded podcast. Um, and on Instagram as well at the same place mm-hmm. uh, at range minded podcast and always oh, yeah. love the feedback. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. And take somebody shooting for heaven's sakes. Yes. Just maintain your social distance. That's right. So well, thank wash you. your hands, wash your hands and, uh, don't touch your face. Oops. <laughs> That's okay. You don't live near anybody anyway. That's true. Oh, well, thank you for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Thanks guys. See ya. Later. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. Find us online at Range Minded Podcast on Facebook 
or send us an email at podcast at iishooting.com. We're always happy to get feedback, episode suggestions, whatever you want to send us, really. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.